Hi, welcome to the Modern OT Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about defining occupational therapy, insights from OTs in the profession, and highlighting how students advocate occupational therapy while in school. I am Sirianni. And I am Laura. And our goal in this podcast is to show the modern definition of OT. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode, guys, of the Modern OT Podcast. So today we have Haley. She is the nerdy OT on Instagram. And her focus obviously is in neuro. So Haley, if you could just describe a little bit about yourself, like with your educational background, how you got into OT. For sure. So I, I graduated high school in 2016. And then I always thought I wanted to be a counselor. I loved psychology. It was honestly my favorite thing. And then my parents were like, is that the best idea for you? And so I took a career quiz and it's the most boring uh, revolution to OT ever. And it popped up and I was like, okay, well that has anatomy, psychology. I can help individuals with special needs. I was like, I guess I'm just going to do that. So (laughs) just said one day I wanted to do it and I stuck on with it. And so I went to undergrad for three years uh, for psychology and I applied my first round and got in. So I've been in OT school in the master's program at my school for a year now. And I came in originally wanting to do PEDS. PEDS school systems were probably my favorite thing. And then our professor started talking about spinal cord injuries and we did, you know, our brain dissection and everything. And I was like, oh man, I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. So yeah, so that's how I kind of got into OT and then neuro also. How's that application process for you going through any struggle like any positive things so I did have a bit of a hiccup in the road so ironically the program I'm at now was not the program I wanted to be at it was like my quote quote backup program (laughs) but I can't imagine it any other way now that's what I always tell people there's two schools I looked at and I chose them because they didn't have the GRE that was something I was like I don't want to take the GRE I don't want to take physics those are just not my strong suits. I decided to apply to these two schools, the school I'm at now being my backup. And I came in for an interview for the program I'm at now. And I remember leaving and I texted my mentor from undergrad and I was like, there is no way I'm going to make it in this program. I was like, it is a great program. The professors are all nice. They know what they're doing. Like, no way. I was like, I just, I'm, I'm already set on the other one anyway. And then they were like, you'll hear back from us in like six to eight weeks. And I got an offer two weeks after my interview with the scholarship. And I was like, oh, I guess they kind of want me. And I don't know why. After I went to the interview, my, my perspective completely changed on it. And I decided to go with that. And it was also $50,000 cheaper. (laughs) And I'm paying for my school. I have all my student loans and everything from undergrad and grad school. So that was a really big factor for me. But In regards of like the application, sorry, I kind of missed that question. Uh, In regards of application, I, both of them luckily were on OTCast, so it was super simple. And I was lucky enough to have a mentor in undergrad who I was able to give her my personal statement and be like, you've been through grad school, you have a PhD. So can you, even if it's not OT, can you help me just refine this? And so she was able to give me some pointers. Yeah, I'm a first-gen college student, so it was all kind of scary doing grad school, just navigating the waters, um, just in general. So, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I totally relate to everything you just said because I applied to like two schools also through OTCAS. Mm-hmm. I got in my, I got in my first round too, and I picked the school that was cheaper too because it was the same thing as you. It was like fifty thousand dollars cheaper. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna go to this one yes. <laughs> since I got in. Yeah. So I totally totally get that. But that's really smart though that you actually like got a mentor to help you out and really just help guide you with what you're doing. I think that's like really smart. I haven't heard someone really say that yet, especially in my program with my cohort. So I think that's that's really great. That that was one of the biggest things that I think has helped me in undergrad. Uh, she, it was funny, we met because she was one of the only people at my university who knew what occupational therapy was. So I was like, I like you. <laughs> and so I ended up doing research with her for a year and we just got close and she helped me through that process. And then when I got here at my program as well, I kind of found a mentor who does neuro and she's been helping me for the past year, just learn more about it, give me her tips and tricks, things that she wished she would have known. And that was something that I don't know. I think I, from having that mentor in undergrad, I knew how important that component was, but that's definitely something I would advise, you know, pre OT students and OT students is to find Find someone who's where you want to be in 10, 15, whatever years and talk to them. I mean, they're in academia because they want to help. Yeah, definitely. That's that's really, really great advice. So how has it been though so far like in OT school? I know you said you finished up your first year and you're in your second year now. How has that like transition been from like first to second year? Um, it's been weird with COVID, obviously. Yeah. Um, the first year was, I mean honestly great. I I can't, I feel like I can't complain just because I feel you worked so hard in undergrad to get to OT school and then you get here and it just kind of feels surreal sometimes. You're just like, I get to study what I love with people who, you know, don't ask me what OT is. And so the way that our program is structured, it was, it was great. We had courses where we just talked about conditions or mental health and just really like laying that occupational therapy foundation. So that that's been great. And then one of the bummers was we were in our hands and upper extremity course doing orthotics when COVID hit. So we haven't gotten to finish that. And then our, so this summer we had some field work, but again, with COVID half of our cohort got to do it in person. Half of the cohort wasn't able to, and you know, moving it around. And then our program is now, we're the last master's program. So they're transitioning to entry-level doctorate now, which is also (laughs) a big change in the midst of it all because they're changing uh, curriculum design and our anatomy lab is all different right now because of COVID. So it's, I feel like I've really been tested on my adaptability and my flexibility and I feel like uh, even though it's been challenging, it's something I'm kind of grateful for that I get the experience now with academia and the safeguard net of school compared to just being out the real world where we're going to have to, our professors always tell us like, be like water. And we always laugh, but we're like, yeah, we need to be like water right now. Like I said, I've enjoyed learning about things that I didn't think I was, I would ever see myself in like adult neuro or anything of that nature. So no, it's really great, honestly. I think that's, like, really, really interesting to be, like, water. Like, that, just that saying, just because it's so true. Like, I mean, that's, like, what OT is in general. Like, I feel just because you kind of have to adapt to every person because everyone's different, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's so great to even think about it for school, for field work, etc. And I know before you said that half of the students, they were able to do field work, half weren't. Do you, is that meaning, like, they didn't do field work at all or they were doing telehealth and somewhere in person? 
So, so we had a contracted site with our, we have a foster's home here or a children's home. So we did, it's typically our mental health uh, level one field work, but they changed it to our pediatric field work and moved our mental health one in the fall. So uh, the way that they had it was my cohort's about 50. So they had 25 do it in June, 25 do it in July. What we did was we did observing developmental milestones across ages like five to 13. And then we did group interventions with the kids over three week span, working on writing goals and things of that nature. So we just finished, we had just finished it in June and then they had a week of orientation and then the second group was about to start and we got a pro, uh, contact from our program director that said that the, one of the employees had had exposure to COVID and so they weren't comfortable having large groups anymore. So the 25 who were supposed to do it in July were kind of not able to go now because they were an exposure site. Our program offered them to either do an in-progress and see if maybe another pediatric opportunity arose in the fall or the spring before our fieldwork twos, or they can do a virtual, more of a virtual simu case, watching videos, assignments, kind of things that a lot of people are doing. Oh, that's cool. See, I didn't even know about that. I wasn't sure if it was like people who are doing fieldwork right now were doing telehealth and like just like kind of sitting in on the meetings with the patients, or if it was just like a lot of just like a boatload of work. So yeah, I, I'm on a Facebook page that's for like OT students and new grads, and there's been I feel like very mixed things, uh, just from everyone of you know telehealth, SIMU case, ICE, uh, the ICE learning videos. I feel like it's just been a whole hodgepodge of everything going on with the situation at hand right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I've been hearing mixed single signals as well. Also, I remember seeing on your page too that you are a graduate assistant as well. And I was just like curious, like how you balance that out with school? Cause I'm sure it's a lot of work, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm a graduate assistant for the anatomy or cadaver lab that we have going on. Um, and it's it's been a lot because typically with our schedules for OTs, we typically only would teach our PA students every other Friday, but due to the new situation, our students only have, what is it, four, they go for four weeks in lab for four hours a day, so still the same amount of time, just smushed into one month, so they asked us to cover it to keep us, you know, below part-time and everything for all the, you know, HR rules, so it's been definitely stressful, but I feel like it's been a really great opportunity to be able to go back and review anatomy from a different lens. Cause I feel that when we did it, we do it in 10 weeks. And typically the way it worked is you would learn something from like eight to nine fifteen, and then you would dissect from nine fifteen to eleven fifteen. So it was always trying to just, I always say drink from a fire hose. <laughs> and so I I've enjoyed having not the pressure of feeling like I need to get an A or something as well as, having the perspective of, oh, no, I know what this condition is. Now I know how this would affect their occupations and going in and having that fresh perspective, I feel like has given me an ability to understand things that I wasn't able to grasp, but also apply in different ways. But yeah, it's, it's been stressful, but it's been fun getting to do it with some of my uh, peers and a nice refresher, even when it's stressful, it's been enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's really awesome that you do that. You said before that, do you, are you like a graduate assistant mainly for OTs? You said you do, P, you teach PAs as well? 
Yeah, so um, originally we were for the PA group and because they don't have a cadaver lab at, at another satellite campus, they normally will come into our campus and we get to do like a dry lab with moans and models and then we get to do a wet lab with them with the cadavers. But again, with everything and schedule changes, we have PTs, OTs, and ATs all dissect together to work on interdisciplinary and interprofessional communication, as well as the medical students at our school take it for the fall and the spring. So all the rehab sciences get to do it together. So I've been working with PTs, OTs, ATs, and PAs. So lots of fun. (laughs) That's really cool. You get to like know everyone within like all the different professions. I think that's really awesome. So you said with uh, being like a graduate assistant that it's been helping you just like kind of go through at your own pace and you're able to kind of like retain information better compared to like when you were first learning it, right? For sure. That's, I feel like that's really, really awesome that you were able to do that because I haven't talked to anyone really like that in depth about their end of like how it is to be a graduate assistant. So I feel like that's really cool because like that was something I was even looking into like, okay, maybe this can help me with student loans and like you know, things like that to get through school. So I was yeah. just wondering like how like heavy the load was in regards to how much you do with your work. So that sounds pretty manageable, I guess. Um, it's definitely nice with this position that I have. I work 20 hours a week and all those 20 hours are in lab. So I feel like I'm, I get to learn while I work, which is a benefit. And then when I'm preparing for it, like I was, I was right before this meeting, I was going back over the blood flow for the leg because I'm teaching that on Monday. So I feel like that's, that's beneficial. Like there's nothing that's going to be, I feel like really lucky with this position that whether I'm getting paid or not, I'm still furthering myself. And I always think of, you know, everything you do is going to be for your clients and the better I know it, the better I can help people and the better I can treat people, the better OT I can be. So I feel really grateful. And I definitely think that if, you know, you or anyone else is thinking about a graduate position that you're able to gain skills from for your clients I I say go for it (laughs) yeah oh yeah definitely I think that's 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 perfect perfect way to put it like it's just going to make you a better OT and really just like help out your clients and you too so how has it been though with like student loans and things like that how has that process been Um, it's been a bit stressful I was really lucky in undergrad I had a sizable scholarship from being in a honors I don't know the word, like an honor society thing that we, if we met certain requirements, we got scholarships. So that was really lucky. I was able to walk away from undergrad with not, not a giant amount, but also not like a teeny tiny amount, I guess. And then in OT school, like I said, because the program is a lot cheaper, I definitely think that that's, that's been nice. It still gets very stressful. With our program, it's really hard to work. Just taking five courses a semester typically is our course load. So I'm typically not able to work and I typically rely on loans. So um, it's stressful, but I think that the key is, you know, budgeting and budgeting and managing money while you can. I'm an OT school just so that when you do are able to get a job, a full-time job as an OT, you aren't accruing. What's the right way to say this? You didn't overspend when you didn't need to. And that's kind of the way I look at it. And I also have like an online job I do on the side when I'm not doing TAing. So I also tell people, I'm like, if you could do something with like Canva or media or Facebook or doing, you know, social media management is what I do. I tell people, I'm like, that's also a great way to earn. It's not going to be, you know, tons and tons of money. But if you have such a tight schedule, it's always definitely 
a nice way because I know there's a couple of people in our cohort have jobs but I I also have a dog so I always feel bad <laughs> I'm like I already leave you so much with school so I try not to leave him any more than I have to so I know that was a big mouthful of words for student loans I feel like they're tricky and a very not fun thing to deal with so <laughs> so what was your like I guess, plan in regards to like kind of like organizing all that for yourself? Did you just create like spreadsheets that helped you kind of organize what you need to do to budget? Yeah. So I have a couple friends that do that. I use my bank has an app, so I'm able to like monitor and give myself notifications as well as there's one, I want to say it's like Clarity. They have certain apps that will basically do what a spreadsheet, I'm, I'm lazy when it comes to spreadsheets. <laughs> well, it'll do it for you and it'll break it down. And it very much showed me like how much money I spend on my dog. And it's like, do you need to spend this much money on your dog each month? Or just breaking down things of that nature. And I feel like sometimes even being more aware of it, sometimes it also helps me. It sounds bad. It's most of the people, it's the opposite, but getting cash out and like, okay, if I see my money go away, it's a lot more harder to spend it than if I'm just hitting like, yes, I accept. Let me put in my pin real quick. Cause I'm like, it's not really going anywhere. It's not real money. But then I look at my bank account I'm like, oh. So um, I think just finding what works for you. I know some people like to do hand budgeting, they have like budgeting calendar or um, planners. But for me, the apps and the notifications, just becoming more cognizant of where my money is going has been super helpful. And my parents, even though they're not able to help me financially, my dad's really good at the financial stuff. So they'll always be like, hey, like you've gone to Sonic like five times this week. Maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. And I'm like, eh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so no, that's really, that's really great. I think that's really smart. Like all the advice that you said was just really, really solid. Do you, do you live on your own? Do you like have to like do living expenses as well? Yeah, as, like, yeah. I yeah, decided to live on my own. Just uh, I lived with roommates in undergrad and it was fine for sure. But I coming to a new city, not knowing anyone, I didn't really feel super comfortable. But I know tons of people in my cohort also save money that way by whenever you find people in your program and you're like, hey, I'm looking for a roommate too. So I know a lot of people do that. But yes, I typically have to take out extra money each year with my loans for my living expenses, not fun adult stuff. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that adulting. I haven't like actually experienced that yet. I'm, I'm because everything's online for me right now. I like look at places to live because for me, it'd be like an hour away. So that's, I haven't entered that experience yet. But we'll see. Yes. I mean, it's not, it is it's mixed. <laughs> There's goods about it. There are good things about it, but definitely I, I love when we have breaks or when we were back in quarantine, I, my mom was like, you can't, cause I live about five hours away from my parents. So they're mm -hmm. like, you can't be in quarantine by yourself. It's going to be so sad. And so like, I was like, fine, I'll come home. I was like, wow, like I'll have to pay for my food. This is so nice. So there's definitely perks to both. But then I was, by the end of quarantine, I was like, hey, I'm going to go be on my own. Me and my dog, deuces, can't. <laughs> so yeah, definitely mixed feelings. No, I totally get that. Even though you live so far away from your family, how important is the role of like, you know, your family, your friends while going to grad school? Oh, 
I don't know if I can articulate how important having a good support system is during grad school. I have a really, I'm really grateful that I have a great relationship with my parents. So I talk to them pretty much every day, um, even if it's just to be like, hey, I moved from my couch to my bed today. What's up? <laughs> I just think that just having people to talk to and um, your family, just even if they don't, I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, you know, being a first-gen college student, it's hard because they may not, you know, know what you're going through specifically, but just even on little things, I feel like I'm grateful to, you know, talk to my parents, call my parents, and sometimes... <laughs> Like during anatomy last summer, I would like call my parents. I was like, I don't know the erector's spine. I just want to, I don't want to do OT school. And they'd be like, okay, like, I'll buy you a Chick-fil-A meal. Like, just calm down. Like, go <laughs> get you an ice cream or something. You're good. And then especially when I got my dog, my family, he was really destructive when I first got the, him. So just giving tips. And then my mom would come visit every now and then and just I don't know, having, it's really such a corny saying, but like my parents are always like, we are your home. Like no matter where you are, like we're home together. So just, I don't know. They just uplift my heart. I love them so much. They're like, like some of my best friends in life. And then also with friends, it's, it took me a while to get friends in my cohort. Nothing wrong with them or me. Just how I guess I developed friendships. It took me important whether um, to find people in your cohort that you click with, that you study with, that you have the same values with, whatever it may be that y'all bond with. I think it's super important because I know our program is two years academic, two to three years with these people. Like, you know, you not use each other, but like, you know, help each other along the way. Um, I feel like coming into OT school, you have such of a, a competitive mindset and really I know our program works really hard to break that of us my our mindset that you're not competing for anything you, you've you've gotten here now this is the part where you get to work together where you get to help each other you know helping someone is not going to diminish your degree it's not going to diminish your grade it's only going to make you know you better if you're able to teach it you know it better if you're able to help them like just do the right thing I guess I, it's hard to break but I know that I have some of the best friends. I, I love them so much. And I, I know, I don't know how to articulate it. Sorry, it's all jumbled. But I think that that's one of the, honestly, the most important things, finding people just to study with, to not study with, to make memories with. I mean, you only get, you know, two to three years, like I said. So it's a long time, but a short time. So I feel like soak it all up and, you know, learn from each other while you can. So. Sorry, that was a big blurb. <laughs> no, it's okay. That was all really awesome. Like, I definitely relate to some of those, like, everything, actually, pretty much almost everything you said, I relate to. I mean, for me, especially, it's been hard, like, getting to know people online, because, like, I have that transition right now, where it's, like, my first year, and I started a month ago, and everyone just kind of, like, got to know each other online through Zoom. Some people had their faces on, some, like, faces on. <laughs> some people had their cameras on. <laughs> Well, that two faces, but <laughs> so it's like you don't know who's there, so it's like kind of hard. It's just like you gotta reach out to them, and be like, "Hey, I'm in your class, by the way. I'll give you that." Like, yeah. so I totally get that. That support system, though, is it's it's so vital. And the way we do it is we uh, we use GroupMe actually, so we we're all messaging each other like that and getting to know each other that way, helping each other out. 
and there's people like like even when you were saying how everyone helps each other out i've noticed that even myself too like there's people sending each other study guides like full-on study guides i'm like oh my god that's so sweet of you like that's really awesome yeah <laughs> really good yeah i've noticed that it's like a very supportive environment i totally agree with that and I know before you said too that you're first first generation as well to get a master's yes that's really awesome yeah so yeah it was kind of scary going through I was I remember when I was in like sixth grade I was like I will be the first like college like generation college student and then I got my bachelor's and I was like "Ooh, I want to do this more <laughs> so I was like let's go get a master's so yeah I feel like it's it's hard but it's nice also you find other people in your cohort maybe or going through the same thing as you, as well as kind of going, this is like real going back, but going back to like a mentor, that was, that's been something super helpful for me. Cause I, I like went to her when we were choosing our, are really lucky that we get to put in preferences for our field works. And so I was like, I went to her and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know any good neural places. And she was like, okay, we're going to need a breeze real quick. <laughs> she was like, it's fine. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's hard, but it's, it's also really, rewarding at the same time so how has that process been for you so far knowing that like you want to go into like neuro ot like do you is it like a like do you mainly work in the hospital or do you do like outpatient as well i'm not like too familiar no you're good so um right now i feel like i've just been like grasping at anything neuro i can get the first year i'm really lucky that my mentor she her and i will meet for like an hour bi-weekly and just we pick a topic and we go as in depth we can on it whether it's neuro or just general we talked about like the ICU because when I shadowed I had honestly no experience in any kind of hospital settings so that's why when I was like oh I want to do inpatient neuro they were like why <laughs> and I was like oh but I feel like I'm kind of open to settings I don't know if I would like a cute I'm not, I don't think as cool and calm and collected for ICU as maybe some other people are. And as well as there's aspects that I really like the long-term treatment of like a more inpatient of having, you know, every day, an hour, an hour and a half with the patient for maybe a few weeks. So I really like, uh, like I said, inpatient, I don't know why ADLs, I'm like, let's do some ADLs and you know, transfers. I'm like, I don't know why that sounds so fun. But also, I definitely like love more specific programs. In our town, we have one for uh, more of like a brain injury outpatient day program. So that's something I'm super interested in, in as well. Um, as well as maybe dabbling a little in like neuropeds. I had put one of my field works in for that. I think that that's definitely an interesting little niche in OT, but I feel like really pretty open to it. But yes, I know a lot of, a lot of them work in, whether it's hospitals, acute, inpatient, outpatient, or like site specific, like brain injury, spinal cord injury, things of that nature as well. So yeah, so many fun avenues of neuro. <laughs> yeah, cause I, I didn't know any of that. And you said you were more interested in, I know you've been posting a lot about like brain injury and spinal cord injuries. So those like the two avenues you're looking into at the moment, or is that just what you've had more interest in lately? Yeah. So for some reason, spinal cord injury is like probably one of the most fascinating things to me. I just, I don't know why. It was one of the first lectures that drew me into neuro. And ever since then, I 
follow people who have spinal cord injuries on social media to see their perspective. I just ordered a neuro book from someone and they're like, oh, do you need it for a class? I was like, no, I just want to read about it. <laughs> spinal cord injuries, I think, are so interesting, just not only physically, but I'm mentally, I think, how it can take a toll on a person from, you know, how drastic physical changes are. And I think that that's one of the areas of neuro that people don't always consider is the psychosocial aspect. And then the role that OT can play in helping those people, you know, not only engage physically in meaningful activities, but also mentally helping them see that life continues on. It just may look a little different and, you know, you're still, you know, you're still meaningful. You saw a purpose, even though your body's not functioning the way it used to. And I think that that's a really really rewarding thing to be able to be a part of, especially in the spinal cord injury population. But I, yes, I also do like brain injuries. <laughs> I not like them, but I find that population interesting just coming from a psychology background. And there's a couple of people, I feel so weird saying this, but there's also a couple of people who have uh, sustained brain injuries that I follow their journey and, and follow their family and their family's perspective of having you know, a child or a husband with a spinal cord injury or a brain injury, I'm sorry. And just seeing how it affects the whole family unit and as well as the psychological and the physical, I just feel like it's such a holistic, interconnected puzzle that you get to, you know, kind of work with each patient. So, yeah. <laughs> You're so right. I mean, I, it's, I, I hope oh, I followed a few, a few people, but just that journey, some can overcome it and can return back to a somewhat of a normal function and, and some can't, which is okay. But that process of watching how they adapt, you know, how the family adapts, how their, you know, spouse, whoever their caregiver is, just going back and seeing how like the therapist was able to show them the new perspective is just so like rewarding experience thousand percent. And I think it's, I, I feel like I've been able to learn a lot and discuss with my mentor some of the things that maybe I would do differently. Like I, I know that there's a lot of times people with spinal cord injuries will be like, oh, well, you'll never walk again. So we're just not going to focus on that. And I'm like, but you're, you're ruining so much rapport with the patient. You're ruining so much of an opportunity to work and help them. And I don't know. I, I'm like, yes, literature says this, but you never give up hope with that patient. You, I feel like if you cut off the hope, then you just, like I said, you ruin rapport, you ruin their motivation. And it just, it's, it's not going to be an effective therapeutic relationship to be able to accomplish what you need. I don't know. Just, I, I love when people are able and are vulnerable to share their experiences and their journeys. And I feel like there's just so much to learn from it. And with every client being so unique, I feel like it's just, I don't know. It's fascinating to me, just everything about it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think neuro is super interesting as well. I don't know like what exactly I want to 100% do yet, but I know like for me, it's like hand therapy, neuro, are, like interesting me so far, especially like stroke patients, just because I was able to work with them. I think that's so, so cool. And just, yeah, it's just, it's an insane avenue to go into with an OT. And it's just, it is really rewarding to see the progress and what you have to do to help them like mentally, physically. It's just, yeah, I definitely, when I came in, I honestly didn't even know neuro was a thing until we were introduced to it. And now when I tell people I want to do neuro, they're like, Oh, that's like so sad. Like, how would you want to do that? That's just so sad. I'm like, but I don't, I've never seen it as sad. I always see it as really just 
such a great opportunity to be able to help them, you know, like I said, mentally, physically, holistically, you know, live a new life. It's just different. I just find it so meaningful and, as you said, rewarding again. I don't, I have never seen it as sad. And I understand maybe it's not always for everyone, but I don't want people to always think, oh, like it's sad. This person had you no know, spinal cord injury when they were in their 20s or this person had a stroke, like instead of shifting it kind of, and this is for all of OT, but instead of shifting on maybe what they can't do and their weaknesses, like shift it on their strengths, shift it on what they can do, what they can accomplish and, you know, work with them. That's one of the, also the things I love of OT. It's, it's a teamwork. You get to work with your client on what they want to do. It's not always just about, you know, arm bikes and shoulder arcs. It's, it's much more than that. Yes. I actually just went over that a couple days ago in school about, uh, what is it, choosing wisely and about like all the rules with that. And we were talking about that, how like arm bikes, cones, all those things are just non-purposeful activities. And I had no idea. Like that's everything I would see because I was an aide in a hand therapy setting. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that was like <laughs> a bad thing. Cause like the therapist was great. I loved her. You know, she was awesome, but I never really like realized how important it is to do the purposeful activities and like all the science and evidence-based practice all that stuff background with it and it was just super interesting it like blew my mind no I yeah I know we when we talked about it in mental health with um, cognitive training and they're like you know and I just I'm researching low vision and neuro and weird I was reading a couple articles about eye patching and they were like line bisection tests you know can they cross out all the A's and do they have like left neglect and I'm like what functional is that I'm like I'm like I want function like and just kind of how you said that's something our program has harped on like you, since as similar to yours just since the day one with choosing wisely and you know what makes OTs unique is we get to do occupations. And I think that's what is exciting about our job comparative to maybe some other healthcare jobs. You know, you touched on something that was really good. You, when I used to think of neuro, I used to think of, okay, they might not get back to proper function, but they always might lack something. And sometimes depending on the type of patient that you have, they're going to see if that's good or bad for you. But when you actually go and you research like the type of facilities out there, there's this especially one where I'm at. It's one of the coolest places I've ever seen in my life. I was like, with the technology that they have, with the team that they have, like, of course, you're not, it's not just OTs, but the facility looks like, like one of those, like, you know, type of like Olympic sized gyms. Like, <laughs> I was like blown away. I was like, wow. And I, you know, I just found this out like a year ago here in my area. And I was like, this is cool. Like if I, if I could work there, I would be so like just 100% happy. Oh, a thousand percent. There's a couple of places. One of the the, uh, I don't want to say clients cause she's not my client. One of the people I follow on Instagram, her name is Ava and she's a little girl who's seven, who sustained a brain injury. And she went to a place called the Shirley Ryan ability lab in Chicago. And it, oh, every time I like started following them and their facility is just gorgeous. I'm like, I just am like drooling at, look at all this exciting technology and, and there's a, a girl in our Metroplex who just had a spinal cord injury and she's at another facility at the Craig Rehabilitation Hospital. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, look at this, look at this. This is kind of a little off topic, but people, my friends in my cohort, we always joke of, 
after like you do OT school or you learn about OT, you can never look at anything without an OT lens. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm like going to the store and I'm like, oh my goodness, he has lost strand crutches. Okay, those those are not at the right angle. You need to be standing up taller, sir, and you're not doing a step two gate. You're really concerning me. And we were at a park one day and we saw a woman with a like a four four wheel walker and we we're like, oh my gosh, she is having some excessive kyphosis. This is not good. And a guy came over to take our picture. We're like, what did you do to your wrist? We just had hands and we're really concerned. Like, do you need to do this? Do you have prepitus? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, sorry, we're OT students. We're going to get back to our picnic. Sorry. <laughs> but it's like a blessing and a curse. Every time I see someone, I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's so true. I actually, um, I had a talk with that re talk about that recently with um, a PT and how she like was in the store as well and she just adjusted someone's crutches actually because she was so sorry I'm a PT do you mind is this okay because I just want to help you <laughs> I was like dying that you said that because it's so true people just do that <laughs> yeah it's hard I mean even like it happened like the f after my first summer like we were talking about um, pelvic tilt and I went. And this guy was sitting and I was like, he was in such bad, I want to say posterior tilt. And I was like, oh, I just want to go over there and facilitate anterior tilt. You can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> now everywhere, it's always a running joke. We'll be like, did you see that wheelchair? Yeah, it looks like a crossbar folding wheelchair. Yeah, ultralight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everyone's like, what? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Thanks, jokes. I love it. <laughs> We didn't really talk about what is, like, your, like, day-to-day -day routine. Maybe, like, show us, like, before COVID and now, like, after COVID. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before COVID, typically our program does Monday through Friday, or Monday through Thursdays. We have Fridays off. Hallelujah, it's the biggest blessing. <laughs> so typically I would go to school from 9 or class. We typically would have one class in the morning from, like, 9 to 12 or so or 10 to 12. And then we would have lunch from 12 to 1. Typically, you just didn't have time to go off campus, so we were able to eat on campus. And we have a health science center that's connected to a hospital, so it's nice. If you forget your lunch, you can just run over to the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> and then typically, we would have classes from one to three or four, just depending depending on our schedule and what day. And those are all on campus in person, as well as incorporated with different labs. We typically have one to two labs per semester, depending on the course. So we've had more of a fundamentals lab where we did transfers and walking aids, things of that nature. We had an orthotics lab where we started to do, you know, orthotics and splints and all of that fun stuff. And then like this fall, we'll have a pediatric intervention and an adult intervention lab. And then typically, like I said, I would uh, biweekly on Fridays, I got to meet with my professor and just talk. We always say talk neuro, <laughs> um, nerd out. So that was, that's pretty much how it went. And then I sprinkled throughout. Um, typically when I got home, I would spend time with my pup after he was locked up all day take them on a walk or so. And then typically I would study. I'm a big chart person. That's one of the best ways that I, my program recommended for learning materials. So just doing concept mappings and organizing into more of a big picture. So I typically, I like to stay on top of it. So I try to do it every night after we learn it. And then 
you know, eat dinner and just kind of take the rest of the night off depending on the workload for the week. And then normally every Saturday, me and my, even throughout uh, COVID, me and one of my really good friends, we found out we study really well together. So we typically, she's actually coming over tonight. (laughs) We typically meet, you know, Friday or Saturday and just study what we learned that week because in our program, they only have, we only have midterms and finals. And the way that they have it is you take, instead of taking like five finals, you take one final that has all five classes on it. And then you'll get a grade for how you did individually. And then you'll get a grade on how you did as a whole. Just kind of trying to prepare you for, you know, when you take your NBCOT, you're sitting for four hours. You know, you're not going to just, and they integrate it nicely. So our first year, it's like this course, this course, this course. And then (laughs) we're all terrified because this year they mix it all up. So you could be asking one from pediatrics and then you could go to geriatrics and go to mental health and just trying to get us more prepared as we go along. So with only having, you know, eight weeks of material or 16 weeks of material, we just try to stay on top of that. And that was probably one of the best habits I feel like we've gotten into for studying. So that was typically like a day slash week slash what goes on typically prior to COVID after COVID was like a whole nother story. So the way that our program did it, I can just say for the spring since the fall or the summer has been a bit weird. They typically would release all of our courses on Monday at 12 p.m. And so that would be, you know, five videos, five sets of videos, depending on the material and the course. So for example, in my conditions course, we would learn about, you know, lymphedema and oncology. So you would typically have like three videos here, three videos here. But in hands, all we were learning was, I don't know, like tending glide. So you'd only have like one video. So typically I would try to like plan and have all my work done Monday and Tuesday, just watching videos constantly, which is not fun, but it was needed. And then our professors wanted to make sure that we were still doing a lot of active engagement. So we had a lot of forums, a lot of assignments, just lots of things like that. And even started using a, I don't, it's, it's called Flipgrid and it's just like a video uploading service. And so we had like, when one assignment we had to do was if we were doing a telehealth with a client and they had, you know, a rotator cuff injury, how would you teach them the isometrics and, you know, kind of getting us prepared also for that medium. So typically it did that. And then we would have Zoom meetings a lot. We would have a Zoom meeting for every class. So it would be an hour typically It would be like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then two or three on Thursday. And those would be times where they would review the materials, do an assignment, or you would ask questions. So we, in the spring, I essentially spent all my time on Zoom, which I feel like is very hard. I know that all of our cohort like bought blue light glasses and changed our like filters on our computer to like the sepia, sepia. The yellow tinted. (laughs) And really, I know that we all were like taking like four walks a day and just trying to step away from our computer because of how much of a headache metaphorically and physically it would cause uh, just sitting on the computer all day. And now, now it's not too bad. Uh, I just finished up 
three of my courses out of my four. So I have one course that goes till August and then I work, you know, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and then open lab times, which I feel like sounds like a lot, but I mean, it's super fun. So, <laughs> but that was a lot. So sorry for all the rambling, but it's been a mess with COVID. So, <laughs> you know, the short, short version, it's been a mess with COVID. <laughs> so true. So true. As honestly, just take it week by week. Yeah, that's really what you have to do. I mean, I know that I have like a planner that I use. I also have like a whiteboard calendar that I use with everything color coordinated. And sometimes I even have to just take it day by day because I'm like, I can't. I'm like, we're just gonna, gonna slowly because right now, if I think about the four assignments that are due on one day, I'm gonna lose my mind. So let's just look at Friday. And I know that, you know, color coordination helped me, sticky notes helped me, just making a sticky note list. And every time I finished something, even if it was minuscule, I was like, cross it off. And I was like, yes, you did that, you did that. Just to give me, I don't know, just some positive reinforcement, as well as something that helped me so much in undergrad that I, I still use now is like, okay, you finished all of these videos. You get to go take like a YouTube break. You get to go watch one fun video or you get to have a chocolate bar because you did it, go you. And it sounds so, I feel like so silly, but just having yourself, like, I feel like work towards something sometimes when you're, all you're doing is sitting and watching videos and doing assignments is really positive. Or, you know, if you have a really good week, like treat yourself to Chick-fil-A or something. I don't know. <laughs> that was something that always says, still helps me now. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just doing what makes you happy to just keep you motivated is what it is. Do it for that milkshake. <laughs> That's what I do it for. <laughs> they literally put a Brahms like right down the street from us and they're so cheap. And so I'm always like, hey, like, you know, we did really good in labs today. And they're like, we didn't do anything. I was like, yeah, but like, I really want Brahms. And like, we should reward ourselves because like we made it through. And like, it's only Monday. And I'm like, but we made it through Monday. So let's go get Brahms, okay? <laughs> it's, it's very bad, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, you remind me of me when I'm with my classmates, my lab partners. I'm like, yeah, I think we need to get Chick-fil-A. Sarah, but we only studied for three hours. That's enough. Like, let's go. Yeah. Oh, all the time. My my poor friends. I have one that's uh, gluten-free with Semica shoes. And then one of my friends also has some, you know, GI issues and just is gluten and dairy-free. And I'm like, what am I supposed to, like, what do we eat? Like, I, I, what? <laughs> I was like, well, we reward ourselves. I like, I don't want almonds. What do we eat? And so I'm lucky my study buddy, I'm always like, okay, so like, are we having pasta and then we're going to ice cream? Or do you want to have like salad? Like, mm, pasta? Okay, we're going to get pasta. <laughs> I'm like, I need one friend I can like, that we could go if we wanted to go to Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A. I was like, I just need, I don't want to think about healthy right now or gluten or dairy-free. But I always feel bad. I'm always, I'm <laughs> I texted her I was like so like what can you have for dessert and she's like fruit and I was like oh okay well let's go get an apple <laughs> she's like okay I was like I need to be a supportive friend but I can't <laughs> oh my god I can't compose myself with that <laughs> the, the apple doesn't motivate me man no <laughs> the milkshake the milkshake motivates you I'm telling you I know and all I 
I love my friends. They're all amazing, but they're all very healthy. And I, they were all kinesis, you know, and they worked out. And I was like, you know, I was a psych major. I didn't, I don't, I don't work out. Like, it sounds really bad as a health professional. But I was like, I don't, I mean, I walk my dog. Like, I get exercise, but like, I don't need, like, like, they go to CrossFit and they like drink like juice clean. I'm like, I don't. I don't know. I'm going to go get grilled cheese. Like, do y'all want anything? I'm like, I'm get you some, like, again, almonds. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. We have some real, I, all my friends are very healthy. And one of my friends, she was like, oh, I used to run, like, triathlons in undergrad. And I was like, for fun? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I did not. I used to watch Netflix for fun. I mean, uh. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I run, like, I try to run, and I'm trying to, like, do a mile in a certain amount of time, and I'm, like, every time I, I start, I'm, like, this sucks. This sucks. How do people do this for fun? <laughs> like, why? No, no, I've never I been. I can't. I can't. No, I've never been a run for fun kind of gal. Like, yeah. I like yoga, but yeah. even, like, that's probably, and we have. Yoga's had, hard, uh, though. Like, yeah, yeah, people yeah. underestimate that real. <laughs> I'm, like, you're trying to do yoga. Oh, yeah. I had a friend that was like, this isn't like a real workout. And I was like, I was like, do you see her? She's balancing on like her index finger right now. That is the workout, dude. But yeah, we had a, we had a cycle place and that was so fun. That was probably one of the only workouts I ever liked, but it was like a hundred dollars a month. And I was like, I could, I could pay so many things for that. I could be so many bills. I could buy my dog so many toys. I was like, I can't. So I was like, sorry, y'all, y'all work out for me. I just, I'm going to go chill on the couch. Sorry where I'm sitting right now. Exactly. Oh, man, I totally get that. I remember like right as quarantine hit, my friend, she was like, oh, let's go jogging. Let's go jogging like around the block. And I was just like, I tried it out and I was dying. And she's like, she keeps going. And she's like, Laura, where are you? And I'm just like, I'm back here. <laughs> I couldn't keep up. I'm like, how do you do this? She's just like, oh, it's fun. Aren't you having fun? I'm like, no, I want to throw up. Like, <laughs> running this is never fun. I can't, you can't even, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go run for fun. I, I don't, I don't think I would do it. <laughs> like, is something chasing me? I might like, get like a piece of cake at the end. Like, then I don't find, there's no, I don't find the point. And I'm, my dog, he's a, we're like, you can take your dog for a run. I'm like, mm -mm. we'll go for light strolls. He trots. I'm no, <laughs> I'm like, we're not doing any kind of running here. Oh, so, so true. So true. <laughs> it's like OTs are like the mix. You either have the ones that are really like fit and the ones who are just like casual. Like oh, I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Same in my class, my cohort, it's like half and half. Yes. I have a few military like veterans in my class, so it's like, you know, fit and yes, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like my my lab partner. I'm like Trevor, I'm too young. You don't need to come. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we have a honestly like coming from psych. Like no one is very like. I always was a really weird odd man out in my kinese courses that I take for undergrad, and I was like, oh, when I get to OC school, like it'll be better, like, it'll be fine, and I got here, and they're like, yeah, you, like, you want to, we're gonna go run a few miles, and I was like, why, and they're like, why not, like, you gotta work out, and I was like, you do, and then, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I went and got groceries, and, like, 
I'm balling on a budget. So I'm like, oh, like we got Lunchables. They had five for five dollars. Like we're turning up. Like, oh, and one of my my friends, I love her so much. She she posts like these beautiful pictures. She's like arugula salad with cherry tomatoes and balsamic vinaigrette with a duck egg and fresh avo. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I, <laughs> every time I have like a very bad lunch, I sent her a picture and I was like, vegetarian corn dogs with Pringles with ketchup and mustard on the side and like all this fancy cursive writing. And I'm like, bon appetit and she's like hey I'm like I'm sorry I can't afford no I was like no I don't have the energy nor time I like cook one meal and I'm like wow that was a lot of work good job Neely (laughs) oh my god yeah you're so right like people are like (laughs) even even if you shop on a healthy budget or like healthy food diet like it's a lot of money like you know, like think about Whole Foods. You spent fifty dollars and you only bought like three things, four things. It's like, how do people do this every day, I know. every week? I know we have one. Um, we have a supermarket here that's like white girl central. That's what we call it. It's like you can see all the girls in like their baggy t-shirts and their Nike shorts. And my mom's like, "Oh my gosh, you fit in so well." And I'm like, "Okay, thanks. I know." I was like, "But I can't afford like." five dollars for a tomato I was like no 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 no. and then people are like oh we'll go to the farmer's market like farm fresh so good and I'm like I also can't afford this like I don't know what you expect it's just like people in grad school like you, you love them and you're like yeah go you but I'm gonna sit right here with my hamburger my, yeah eat that oh yeah it's me a thousand percent all the time I'm always like Chick-fil-A, they're like, no, like, that just is a lot of calorie. I'm like, okay, well. They have salad, don't worry. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm going to get this. You are more than welcome to bring what you want. I'm going to go get this, though. So, yep. <laughs> oh, so another, you know what? Another good question that we like to ask. Well, I want to relate it to more like to a student. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. What does it take to make a well-rounded occupational therapist to you? That's a very good question. Oh, goodness. I feel like that's a lot of pressure. I think that, I think, obviously, I feel like this is cliche, but obviously compassion. I think that sometimes we get so caught up in, you know, this, 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 that we forget we're treating a person. And I think that that's, you know, you're not treating a condition. You're not treating a disease. You're treating a person. They're a whole person. You need to consider the mental aspect, the physical aspect, you know, spiritual, their beliefs, what, what's important to them. And I think that being, you know, insightful and I don't know if insightful is the right word, but cognizant of that and really treating them as a whole person, treating their opinions as such, knowing that even though you are quote, quote, maybe an expert, an OT, you're not an expert in their life. They're the expert in their lived experiences and what's meaningful to them, what they can do. And I think that that's an important thing to remember in OT, as well as, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you have to have, you know, skills and knowledge to be able to do what you're going to do. I love school. I love education. I think it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to study you know this field and just study in general because I know some people just don't have the opportunity to due to finances due to you know position and whatever circumstances may be I think that having the education is something that you know you should never take for granted whether you're first-gen college student or 
this is something all your family does. I think that that's an important thing to remember. And then I think something that we've talked about in our program is that it's kind of just remembered that you're not doing therapy. Like, don't get into that mundane thing. It kind of goes back to that choosing wisely. Like, okay, this person has this, so I'm just going to put them on a shoulder bike. Like, don't, each person kind of, and this is again, going back to that you're treating a person, everyone's unique, no matter how many times you feel like you've seen this or this person, oh, they have a CBA, we're going to do this, 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 this. I think, you know, being aware that, that everyone is unique, it has different, you know, meaningful occupations, different abilities. And I think, you know, incorporating those into treatment as well as, you know, incorporating their families is something super important. But also something that we actually just talked about in my professional development that I just thought of was kind of the idea of scholarship as well. And the idea of as an OT, you're a lifelong learner and you need to continually, you know, stay up to date in the research, stay in the literature, stay up so that you're giving your best treatment to the client as well. I feel like everything I've said just kind of goes back to the client. And that's what I think is the most important part. Uh, Getting into the field of OT, it's not about you you think it's about you, like maybe take a step back and, you know, remember what our field is and what we're, we're working towards. But I think that that's some of the biggest thing is just, you know, be client centered. Um, everything you do is for your client, whether you're a pre-OT, OT, OT student, you know, everything that you're doing is for a future client. And I think that keeping that in mind is going to be something that's important as well as it's always a good motivator for me to, you know, you're not just learning material to get an A, you're learning a material because you may have a client who has this issue, you may have a client who needs this intervention. I know that was kind of all over the place, but those were just some of the things that popped up into my mind about just OT in general. No, you did great. It's been such a pleasure to have you, Haley. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been great talking to you about all this. This, You've been giving such great advice, honestly. Thank y'all so much. I just know I really appreciate it. I when I started my little Insta page, and I know it's still not even big. It's only like 200 followers. I just know that you know, I was really hesitant about doing it, but just the fact that you know I can share OT, share what I love, and you know find a community of people. If I can help people through the process, in the process, whatever it is, and I appreciate y'all reaching out and me on here. It's been really fun to you know talk about what I love the most, OT. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's also not like, it's not always about like the followers. It's honestly about like the quality of people that you are helping. Cause that's like ultimately like what you're doing when you're putting yourself out there in social media, you're just trying to help whoever. And it's a privilege to even have like a single follower, you know, someone who's really just interested in what you're doing and who needs help from whatever you're talking about. That's what I love about the idea of like putting yourself out there on social media at least. Yeah. I was just going to say a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. But also, um, just in case no one knows of the social media platforms you have, can you just list off where people can find you if you have, yes. if have any questions? So um, I really only have a Instagram right now, and it's going to be that nerdy neuro OT. And on there, I've just you know been giving study tips, going over things like ranchos, um, TBI, CBA, things related to that. And I'm about to do some cranial nerve anatomy review. And then uh, I also in the future plan on doing maybe some article reviews about more uh, things or maybe more like, I don't know if the right word is like niche, more low vision and neuro and things that are more uh, specific, but yeah, 
love to have y'all. More than welcome for questions or discussions. Love, love discussing all things neuro and OT or neuro OT. <laughs> hey everyone, if you liked today's episode, please make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on our weekly chats. You can also find us on Instagram at themodernot underscore podcast. There will be new episodes released every Friday, so feel free to reach out to us. We would love to connect with you.